0: Let's go. let's go! Come on, everybody. And let's get to pumping, cause it's three to blaze of time.
1: Baby, Rip City's jumping now. up the Oh! All right,
0: Come on, everybody. All right, everybody. Welcome to the 151st edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man,
1: Sage. And I'm going to be real with you. Like, when we when we hit 150... It meant something to me, like 150 times doing the right thing is fucking amazing. And then it got me thinking about like my career as a broadcaster and like me doing this ten years in a row without like any any people hating me except the people I work with on some bullshit. Like not doing any scandals, being a person of color that's doing broadcasting, man, it just made me think of all these things that you know I've done. We we have done but also i have done by myself as a broadcaster and it's got, it was like it made me think like damn i've done i was like i've done this shit right i didn't make as much money as i probably could have but like i did I, everything we've done we've done you and me with the holy backboard. no no big company saying you can't say that about harry stotts or you can't say that about neil O'Shea. it was like straight from the heart and genuine and you know, 150 episodes of straight being real with people. I mean, it's something and like people are telling me how much they love it and it feels really good.
0: This I was so excited to record with you, even after the loss in game three. Just boom, immediate knee jerk analysis straight from me, who's been a fan for nearly 30 years. You who have such a great analytical mindset and you come like you're still new to Rip City.
1: Yeah, it's only been like five years. No. It's only been 150 episodes.
0: You're still you're still a youngin'. You're still a kindergartner in this Rip City game, so it's it's amazing to share my passion with you and you came over for the game. You know, we had Olga who basically did MJ Flu game, you know, battling the flu, downing three beers, still having pizza. She's drank like
1: more uh, than me, die.
0: She drank more than me, too. I mean, we were rallying around each other. We had a rally kitty. Whatever we did, do that same shit again Tuesday because the Blazers went into Oklahoma City, quieted everybody else, blocked out the haters, won decisively, 111 to 98 to take a commanding 3 1 series lead as the series shifts to Portland on Tuesday night. Sage, I did not see this coming. I thought it was going to be a close battle with Oklahoma City winning. I thought we would have to protect home court to win the series. They really proved me wrong. And to me, this was the most impressive win uh, of the series. Not only did it snap Portland's eight-game playoff road losing streak, but we had four starters at least with 15 points. Mm -hmm. This was... The best team victory that I can remember in in a playoff game in in quite some time.
1: And even the bench players stepped up and did their thing. Like Seth Curry might not have scored a lot of points, but he sure as hell made some defensive stops getting that third foul on uh, Paul George with a charge, playing good defense, finding the ball in like crowds and getting steals. He might not have scored, but he did his thing like everyone helped. Everyone did their thing. Alfred Rukamina was fucking fantastic in the first half. We made big plays. Then we gave it to our two guards to like, please, we, we did our part, win it for us. And they did.
0: It's incredible. If you go by the plus minus, every Blazer starter was at least plus 16 Dame or excuse me. CJ McCollum was a plus 25 chief, a plus 20, uh, incredible night Sage. There were so many heroes. Where do you want to start?
1: I think it's only fair to start with our two our studs, man. C.J. McCollum was consistently great. He hit a lot of difficult shots, but meaningful shots. He he was the guy that when they went on their run, C.J. McCollum hit him with that counterpunch, calmed them down a little bit. He was he he stepped up a lot as a leader too because when Mo Harkless did that boneheaded foul on Paul George where he got three free throws when the game was still in question, CJ was the first person to like talk to him and that showed real growth from him as like a leader and we need him to be a leader man it's the Dame and CJ show right now and CJ stepped up
0: I would say we don't win without either of their performances Dame was a binge I mean he just went on on pulses on spurts I mean he just it was a flurry of Dame time and they had no answer But when OKC would ever make a run, CJ was the guy to have that answer. CJ was consistently throughout the game on one. I mean, 27 points, 50% from the field, 5 of 9 from downtown, 4 boards, 3 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks. The best play of the night, Paul George is going downhill. The Thunder had cut the lead down to 13, about 4.5 minutes to go. CJ strips him, drives all the way down, pulls up from 3, and you just kind of had a feeling at that point that that was the play that really broke Oklahoma City spirit. Yep. And he has been fantastic the whole, the whole series leading up into the, this game in the postseason. 26 points, 50% from downtown, 45% from the field in general, seven boards, five assists in 37 minutes. He has been consistently – Magnificent. I mean, Shaq made a point on inside the NBA that Damon CJ, which one that we have as well, but I think it, one, it holds a little bit of weight because Shaq played in the league, but two, because he's an outsider. He's not a Blazer fan who who watches the games religiously. But for him to point out that Damon CJ don't traditionally play at a high level together is something to not take, take lightly because that traditionally has always been the case. Mm. Through the first four games, these two have been brilliant alongside one another, and I- I'm not necessarily sure why that's happening, but goddamn, it's, it's about time, and we are very difficult to beat when, when they're both on one.
1: Yeah, exactly. You can't focus your entire um, your
0: defense on
1: two. It's just you don't have the positional resources. Honestly, if he played this way this year, there wouldn't be so much anti-CJ talk especially from us. Like, he was score dependent throughout the year, but he's been getting boards, dimes, his head's up looking for people. We didn't see that during the regular season. We saw head down, I'm gonna do the wop-wop combo, get my space and shoot. This is a different CJ where he's like the consistent guy. Damien's like the microwave. You turn him on, he'll get you 12 in an instant. We'll turn him on again. they will get a get us nine. But CJ was really the like the the consistent force, and
0: he was the slow burn all night. Well, yeah, what I love about CJ is there's been a lot less isolation. He's made decisive moves with the basketball. And when I said I wasn't sure why they were playing well together, after thinking about it, I think the playoffs have a lot to do with that because you. It's just human nature to value every possession more in the postseason. Mm -hmm. It just means more. The games tend to slow down, and we're not saying, hey, Ennis, we want you to shoot 20 times tonight, or Myers, you're going to get a ton of shots. I mean, the minutes are starter heavy, so they're in the game longer, and the defense can only really choose to focus on one or the other, and I really think they're playing with that pressure and they're – they're playing with it well. It is a good pressure. They know their performance is riding on the team's success. They play well. Team plays well. And that's kind of what happens in the postseason. And I really feel like Billy Donovan, he's not doing a bad job per se defensively. He's thrown a lot of looks at Portland. We saw them take Stephen Adams and kind of play him as a free safety when Enes Kanter was in the game and they they used Jeremy Grant, which which caused a, a couple of problems for for Portland. They sent that quick double. We saw them trap Dame or CJ, but Zach Collins was was just incredible tonight. I mean, ten and four, a block, hit his three, three of four from big three free throws down the stretch, and I really thought his ability to not play scared and attack that Oklahoma City trap just really threw that scheme out of of the window. Billy Donovan could not go to that because Zach Collins was making smart, decisive decisions with the ball in a high-intensity, high-pressure situation in a, a raucous arena.
1: He, he was game for those Kobe assists. Like, Dame and CJ can attack the hoop, and there's a good chance that Zach Collins is going to get that rebound and the putback, or the rebound and then... He will make a smart decision and pass the ball. Swing, 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 and then we can start the offense over again. Zach was big, honestly. Like I, I think playoffs have a huge impact in CJ's play. But I think the freedom of having more time with the ball. I mean, Nurkic was like a top five center in usage. He took, he was a usage sponge with that twenty five and whatever CJ had. He CJ's taking advantage of that. So it, it, it's a lot of cj dominating the ball and he's making good decisions and like he's getting rewarded for that usage now
0: can we talk about our forwards though i mean you look at maurice harkless gives us 34 big minutes makes life miserable for paul george 15 points f- hit all four f- free throws which is so key for maurice 10 boards two steals three blocks just one turnover you get a Menu, 19 big points Four of nine, every three felt like an absolute fucking dagger into the hearts of the Oklahoma City team. Nine boards, a steal and a block. Those two played absolutely incredible basketball. Only one turnover between the two, zero missed free throws. I am just tickled to death with how they played. Again, this this is a team win, and... Just just so proud of the way they performed because Dame and CJ trusted them. They got the looks, and I think no play epitomized this game more than the last two plays of the first half when Portland went on that 11-0 run. Dame hits a three. We get a stop. Defense collapses around him. He kicks it out to chief. Another buzzer-beating three to end the half. Go up four. Dame only has like seven points, one field goal. You feel good, and we felt good because – Our forwards came to fucking play, man.
1: Dame didn't have a good half. No. But he dotted some assists, like straight up perfect dimes. Because I think he had seven at the half. And I remember in late in game, he was getting trapped and just dotted a pass to Mo Harkless for an easy. Dame wasn't extremely hot throughout, man. Those dimes and getting everybody involved. Of course we want our big big score to score but man he was dotting some people for some assists it it was a real team ball like we we, we we watched game three not two nights ago and it was Dame CJ and 12 others well those 12 others stepped up big time and made this win possible
0: let's flip the script let's talk about Oklahoma City they talked a lot of shit in game three you had Russ rocking the cradle you had Paul George dunking to end the game. You had Dennis Schroder tapping his wrist when the game was not in doubt. Dame said after the game, "We're not doing any talking to anybody but ourselves." You had Russell Westbrook who was hyped. I mean, he came out like Gangbusters. I think he had you know 13 first half points, 7 in the first quarter. He ends up shooting 5 for 21 on 0 of 7 shooting in the second half. 1 point in the second half. This is the second 5 for 20 performance that he has had. They are not going to win a single game with him going 5 for 21 and you called it as soon as he hit that first three. We were like, "Yes, yes, keep shooting." You want this is tonight's going to be different. So you have to kind of take the game threes with the game two and game fours, because that's what's gonna happen. He is an inconsistent shooter, and yeah, he got hot in game three, but when you're defending the thunder, that's who you want shooting the basketball. Mm.
1: I mean, I, I loved how we just made it difficult. Put the hand up, contest it. We didn't need the shot blocks, like just a nice hard contest on a Russell Westbrook, you know, three or a, a long two, and it's it more times than not it'll clank out.
0: I really liked how we defended. I I felt like aside from a couple of offensive rebounds and a few short corner threes, we we were in their face and either we were gang rebounding or we were swarming Paul George. But I felt like the Thunder got a little bit of desperate. They got desperate when they got down and and Portland kind of let them play into that. They shot 43s. They hit 15, 38% as a team. It's not bad, but they only had 22 points in the paint. They only got to the line 22 times. Um, their two stars were 13 for 42 shooting, compared to Portland, 17 for 39. One's almost 50%. The other one's down south. If you're Portland, that that's what you like seeing. Oklahoma City made their made their scary push with Dennis Schroeder attacking, hitting the mid-range, getting good looks. It was really when Paul George and Russ started going hero ball. Damon, CJ trust their teammates. Russ and PG do not. And I think that's what you're seeing. If you look at the teams on paper, especially without Nurkic, you can say this is a toss-up, talent-wise. But Portland, they have a culture of trust. They have a culture of staying the course. And they have a culture of just staying calm. Rarely do you see this team panic, at least down in in the spring. Like when winter transitioned over to spring, this team has been nails. And I just just haven't seen them get flustered. And I think that is a testament to Terry Stotts and the coaching staff. They have an incredible culture they're building. And it's a testament to the leadership of Damian Lillard. You know, CJ McCollum, I think it was after game two, just says, you know, they follow the captain's lead. You know, when things go down, He's there to right the ship. He stays calm. He does not crack, and that is something that goes beyond the box score. You can't measure that in a statistic. That's an intangible, mm. and Portland is piling up the intangibles. We have we're killing them on that house on that leaderboard.
1: The Thunder on paper have a much better team than us, but the game isn't played on paper. It's played on the actual basketball court where spacing and shooting fucking matter.
0: Do you do you think Portland? Yes, I know we're one win away from advancing, but and I'm not counting my chickens before they hatch. Let's say Portland does win, or if what they need to win and they they move on in the postseason, can they continue to win? Getting such minimal performance, or yeah, performance from from the bench production, it just seems like one guy will maybe score eight or ten points, and then you're getting nothing offensively from the rest. You know, defense has been decent, like you talked about with Seth Curry. But Rodney Hood has been MIA after hitting that that first three in Game One. Evan Turner needs to not see the basketball floor. I think we've seen the Myers Zach tandem really perform well.
1: They've had they've been positive like in the plus minuses. they Seth
0: Seth Curry has back to back skunks goose eggs. So I love what we're getting from the starters, but I think to take this as you get deeper into the postseason, even clo- this closeout game is going to be murder. I mean, they are going to play desperate. This is literally win or go home for Oklahoma City. I think for Portland to win a game five, thankfully it is in Portland, I hope they don't get comfortable, but you would like to think that the bench players play a bigger role just like, you know, Seth had huge shots Mm. in in game two. I
1: I think it's just, it has to be the committee approach. I don't see like one dude, scoring all the points i think like we each bench place player has to like take it upon themselves to like contribute their share or their weight in the game because for what we have right now nurkage isn't coming through this door so we all everyone else has to take up a little more responsibility especially scoring if you're not scoring play some lockdown defense like seth did i mean we're only going as far as you know our two stars and it sucks not having that third consistent player, but this is what we got. This is what we're riding with. And
0: If you're Billy Donovan, what are you saying to your team? What are you trying differently in Game 5? I don't think offensively they're really going to change. They've played this way all year. But is there anything else they can throw at Portland defensively that we haven't seen? It seems like Portland has a counter to every single punch. Or every single move that they're throwing at us,
1: with how Damon CJ are playing, it's gonna be tough. Like, is it is it gonna be like hoping that some one of those two don't get hot? Or, but it, it's tough. It's tough to think of a strategy when you only have five members of the your team, and both of our guards are hot and doing well. So I guess it's really like, you know hope to God one of them isn't hot and blitz the other.
0: Yeah. I mean, but I'm even looking at the box score and like I mentioned, 17 for 39, it's still sub 50% and we won by 13 on the road. So, you know, that I don't even think Oklahoma city has seen hot yet. They've seen spurts, but I don't think they've even seen the best of, of what we can offer. So, if you're Billy Donovan and the Oklahoma City staff you kind of have to be shaking your head a little bit because Damon CJ combining for 51 that's that's nice but it's not like oh my god they are shooting the shit yeah. out of the basketball
1: maybe it's play really really aggressive on Damon CJ and force everybody to all the other players to score cuz i yeah. saw like them blitz Enos. When I was watching it with you, I was like, "Are they running zone?" But it was legitimately like one of their two, like more athletic wings, would just chill in the the other block and just straight up blitz Enos as soon as he caught the ball. It, it was the time of the game where it was just like, for whatever reason, we post we stopped everything and posted it up to Enos, and then like hopefully it was a swing, swing open open shot. So I, I think maybe it's Blitz that that initial pass more force them to throw a scary but it's it's gonna be tough man but i would imagine that okc just goes all out on being aggressive defensively
0: and i think and if you're portland you have to meticulously dissect them Mm -hmm. apart like you're a surgeon and portland did that in game four when they brought adams out dame was pulling up Three or four feet behind the line, that was the end of that defensive strategy. When they had him roaming and playing a free safety, that middle of the floor is so wide open. Dump it over the top, and then you have your, your man, most of the time it was Zach or Ennis, who can either take the 10, 15-foot jump shot, drive it in, kick it out, or wait for a cutter to come down. Once the defense collapsed, dump it off to them for a hoard dunk. Portland did a really nice job. I believe we outscored OKC 38-22 to 22 in the paint. And to do that without of Nurkic is pretty incredible. So if I'm the Blazers, I think game five is built on trust. You have to trust that the next man who gets the basketball is going to make the correct play. Mm-hmm. And what we saw was a really nice offensive execution. But make no mistake about it, this game I still believe was won on the defensive end. We really let – Westbrook shoot himself out of the game. And Mm -hmm. I think there was a a tweet. I don't know who it was from, but they said, uh, David Vanterpool told who was ever guarding Russell Westbrook. Do not, um, help off of him or do not, you know, come to double. We want you, him to shoot the basketball, just one-on-one, let him shoot the ball. He does not need that extra, extra attention of the defense. And I think that's what it's going to be. Uh, every time There was a pick and roll. I felt like we defended that extremely well. Really, when Oklahoma City started hitting shots was off of dribble penetration. Mm -hmm. And they had Ferguson. um, They had Felton. They had Jeremy. Jeremy. And they had Schroeder, who all hit threes at one point or, or another. But just the defensive play. CJ had a block. Zach had a big block. I mean, just... We did not give up too many easy buckets, and we really limited their fast-break points. Um, I don't have the stat in front of me, but I believe you mentioned that we had like 10 fast-break points at halftime or something of that nature.
1: And they had zero.
0: So just just the defense. I mean, you look, in the third quarter, when that loose ball happened, Dame came out of nowhere and split Westbrook and Adams and was wide open for a dunk. I mean, that is the type of plays— that are going to get us over the hump and close out this Thunder team.
1: And I don't even think our defense was that on point, especially with rotating. Like, we did all right, but I saw plenty of Oklahoma City dunks when we didn't help the helper on a certain, like, rotation. So if that extra day of, like, working out, okay, if you're helping him, the weak side guy has to help the helper type thing. Like, if we can tighten up those rotations, it's going to be even worse for OKC.
0: You know, I I think the key is just...
1: Trust, man.
0: Trust, and I've been to one... I've been to two closeout games, one as a member of the media, which was Game 6 versus the Rockets. Um, So I don't remember that one as well because I had to stay level-headed. I was tweeting through it and... Um, it was a really a back-and-forth uh, affair. But I was there in 2016 when we were playing the Clippers. Obviously, no Blake and and CP3. But the Blazers play tight. They played tentative. They were expected to win, and they were expected to move on. And that was a much closer game than it had any business being. Mm-hmm. This is three years down the road. Damon and CJ have matured. We are... Still, in my mind, fresh off of a sweep from last year. I think we just need to play basketball. And I know that sounds stupid and cliche, but at, at a certain point, you just can't think about it. You just got to go out there and hoop.
1: It's very have, reactionary.
0: Yeah, just have fun. I mean, this this is the postseason. Just keep doing what you're doing. And you, you can't play like the pressure is on you. You have to play like the pressure is on Oklahoma City. You got to play – Like, you are setting the pace. You are setting the tone. This is how the game is going to be played. And I think Portland can do that early on by keeping OKC off of that foul line. They did a much better job in Game 4 than they did in Game 3. And for Portland, I still want to see us get going a little bit better. And it's kind of crazy to say because in Game 3 and Game 4, the scoreboard still had the Trailblazers on top. By one point in Game 3 and by 4, in Game 4, yet it didn't feel like Dame did much or the team was clicking. Mm. So if we can just even get off to a fast start, I mean, to me, that is a huge key. We were there in Game 2 where you said that that Dame 3 at the end on Felton really broke their spirit. I want to break their spirit early and often because we do not want to go back to Oklahoma City for a Game 6. All of a sudden, all of the pressure goes on the Trailblazers. We need to play game five like it's us being on the verge of elimination now there is playing desperate and there's playing sloppy i i think that there's a fine line there portland needs to to still stay cool calm and composed but you're gonna have to scrap scrap like you've never scrapped before go after all of the loose points
1: it's all about execution. Well, it's all about the executing effort. the game plan. Effort the execution. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. This would be huge if we got that win. We just have to execute. We have to out-execute the team, the other team. And uh, you know they're desperate. And sometimes being too desperate, you, you know dumb things. If we can just take advantage of... If, they, if OKC loses a series, it's a bad look on Russ. It's a bad look on Paul George after he got paid. Like... There's a lot of pressure on those two men. Billy Donovan, Billy Donovan, like on some real shit. Is he that much bit different than Scotty
0: Brooks? No, he's the same fucking coach. He's the he same fucking coach. Let's yeah. them play hero ball.
1: He lets them play hero ball. He plays his guys so fucking many minutes. Like they, 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 they fucked up not signing someone smarter. One thing I learned playing daily fantasy this year: Scotty Brooks and Billy Donovan play the shit out of their wings and guards. Like. Bradley Beal plays unreal minutes, and so does Paul George. Everybody in that OKC system has a bunch of pressure on them.
0: I mean, let's not forget. OKC is asking Paul George to defend CJ McCollum every time down. He is playing on, I don't, what whatever his shoulder is, but he is expected to carry the load on offense and then guard a nightmare on, on defense. You can't tell me that doesn't affect his performance on the offensive end of the floor. Actually,
1: absolutely. I watched Drew Holiday wear down because he was asked to do too many things. That's the same with Paul George, except Paul George plays more minutes and he's injured right now. Paul George makes that team scary, Doug. Like, his shooting saves them from being entirely shooting deficient. That's a lot of fucking pressure on his back right now.
0: I mean, you look at Paul George. Game one, eight for 24, four of 15 from three. Game two, 11 for 20. So 55%, but still two of seven from three. Game three, three of 16, two of seven from three. Game four. 8 of 21, 4 of 10 from 3. He has only had 1 plus 50% shooting from the field, and he has not shot better than 50% from 3 this this entire series. Portland is doing an incredible job of making him take tough shots. Mm-hmm. The only thing I, I I would critique them on is let's try not to foul them and let him live at the line. Yeah, so it, 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 it's
1: a lot of jumping at him when like a nice hard contest I think would do just fine.
0: But you have to feel good going into Game 5 because he only attempted 10 total free throws in Games 1 and Game 2. He had 17 in Game 3, and he had 14 in Game 4. So you expect home cooking a bit. So he shot three times as many free throws as he did in Oklahoma City as he did in Portland. Portland needs to make sure it stays that way. He Mm -hmm. needs to be limited at the line. I think that is a huge X factor especially with Westbrook and George shooting poorly from the field. You do not want to give up easy points at the free throw line. It, and with also, the time can, stopped, too. Yes, and can we also fucking shout out the Blazers? 22 of 23 at the free throw line, 96%. Shout out Bill Shonley. You got to make your fucking free throws, and we fucking did. The Shons, The Shons is one happy camper tonight. What, you, what is your... What is your X factor going into Tuesday night?
1: The defense on the shooters and then the pick and roll defense. And if I had to talk about a player that's going to step up for the Blazers, I'm going to roll with my man, Seth Curry and Myers Leonard.
0: Yeah. If we're talking non-starters, I really like the Zach Collins, Myers Leonard duo, especially on defense. Um, I was so impressed. What was Zach Collins in game four might've been his biggest performance given the stage. I I think we got to find a way to get Seth Curry going. I mean, a shooter of his caliber has to get more than three looks at the basket. I mean, zero points in games three and game four is not fantastic. I don't think it's sustainable to be quite honest. And we just need some bench production. Um, But if I'm looking at the starters, You know, I've been calling for a big Aminu game for a while. He stepped up in a Yeah, you got it
1: tonight, man. I got it
0: tonight. I mean, I'm all on the Aminu hive after tonight's performance. You know, I really think it's going to have to be another team effort, and I know that's cliche and— No,
1: but it it is what
0: it is, bro. Because they are going to not—they're going to do whatever they can to take the ball out of Damon C.J.'s hands. And the only way Damon C.J. can get going outside of fast break points— is making them pay for directing so much attention to those two ball handlers. We're talking chief corner threes, Mo finishing at the rim and his cans making smart decisions in the middle of the floor. So one turnovers need to go down only 12 tonight. We had 18 in game one. We had 18 in game three, 12 in game two, 12 in game four. We were able to sustain the game one victory, but we all saw what happened in, in game three. So Turnovers have been a huge storyline throughout. Got to keep those low. Three-point shooting. OKC shot really well from three for their standards. They shot above their percentage, especially in game three, almost shooting 50%. Are they going to regress back towards the mean or even shoot as poorly as they did through the first two games? Last but not least, Dame versus Westbrook. He has gotten the you – know, I don't – mean to say to put too much emphasis on this matchup but if dame can continue to thoroughly outplay russ like this portland's gonna win i mean we're gonna be at home Uh, i do think dame's gonna have to hit a couple of logo lillard threes to lighten up that defense Mm -hmm. um soften them up so so to speak and if he can do that get the crowd going um last x factor Let's just get a pretty good start. Like I don't want the thunder to hang around. I, I want to get that lead up to ten and just continue to let the crowd get even more rowdy and, and raucous than than they already are going to be. I mean it's it's going to be it's going to be a fun night. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Me and you and Olga are going to all be in the building. So, whew, what do you say, Sage?
1: I got one last question. No, no, keep
0: them coming. We're feeling good.
1: Pass, dribble or shoot. We're gonna see five minutes of the uh, the de- the death lineup without CJ or Dame.
0: I mean, I would f- pass that shit on to the next county, but you know Terry's gonna pull up from three and shoot that. Um, my only critique of Terry Stotts, I-, I thought he has been severely outcoaching Billy. Yeah, Donovan. Ser- seriously, yeah, absolutely. So all all credit there. I I honestly think Evan Turner should not see the floor. He has been unplayable. In, in my honest opinion, you know, I, I gave him credit. I was like, "Good rebound, Evan." As soon as I said that, literally, he threw a pass out of bounds, like a, a full court pass, got stolen, got stolen. I don't know what goes through his mind when he plays. Like, can't he just quit taking risks that he's not really skill wise able to? Like, he's, So
1: you—that's like that—that's an athlete thinking, "Oh, I can make this pass," type of thing.
0: I mean, he's. He, I don't want to pile on him because this is a very positive and happy podcast, but give me Anthony Simons right now, any day of the week over Evan Turner, or better yet, let's let Rodney Hood bring the ball up, or Seth Curry. Like Evan does play pretty good defense, but offensively, he is unplayable, and the offense stalls out. I am honestly a little surprised we're up 3-1, given how porous our starts of the second quarter have been. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I think Terry's gonna continue to ride it out. Um, but j- he had to his credit, he's been quicker to bring CJ or Dame. We saw Dame come in really quick to start the the second quarter. But if they are gonna go with that lineup, I think the offense kind of needs to either be a Rodney Hood post up or find Zach Collins in the middle. Collins has just done such a nice job and Do he's got nice picks. Back. Yeah. I don't
1: think we run pick and roll with that lineup. Honestly, I'm t- I'm tired of seeing this team run post ups that are way too long. I would much rather see some pick and roll, some dribble penetration. This this post up, bro, it just leads to shop blocks for the opposing team. I would do some pick and roll, try and get some movement, and then once the team's the defense is reacting, kick its shooters. But that's just me. But I, I'm I'm sick and tired of seeing a 5 second post up to a guy that's just going to get his shit smashed by Nerlens Noel.
0: I don't know why we don't do any pick and pops, Myers for 3, let Rodney dribble and drive. I mean, he's a big body who can finish in the lane, uh draw some fouls. But like
1: free throws, if we generated free throws, this this line sucks, but it's playable. But when it's not, when we're not generating points, it's not the lineup we can use. I know it's only three or four minutes, but it's those three or four minutes where it's Paul George or Westbrook and then going against our five bench players. I, I say we close this bad boy out in Game 5. The max will be even fucking crazier than it was Game Game uh, 2. So I remember them screaming Westbrook sucks, Westbrook fucks. Shit's going to be live as fuck at the Rose Garden Game
0: 5. It's not, it's not going to be easy. I think it... I think it could go down to the wire. I mean, Terry Stott said it. Closeout games are so difficult. You're literally playing to end someone's season. I mean, Mm. this is a team that doesn't, Oklahoma City, they don't want to go away. You know, they want to keep playing. And they still have two superstars on that team. So you have to be cautious. I'm feeling good because we have Damian Lillard as our leader and, you know, everyone follows, follows suit. Um, I'm feeling good because role players tend to play better at home and we're, we're going to need an entire team. You know, we, d- we
1: talked about this a um, few episodes ago where it was like this group of guys will never play together again on, on an NBA roster. It's the same thing with OKC. So there's relationships these guys have developed and they call each other brothers and shit. Potentially, this is the last time that they're going to play with their brothers. So it's like they're going to go out, go hell all out at this game. So I'm not expecting them to roll over by any means, but I'm definitely expecting the Blazers
0: to win. And the Blazers do play with that brotherhood. I was watching the post game, and Mo was talking, and he just basically over while he was being interviewed as locker, and he just yelled out, "Chief, that's a good game you played tonight, boy." I mean, just they they have a camaraderie about them, and. I have a I have a good feeling they're not overconfident right now. They're happy but not satisfied. They're they're not content with where they're at. They are going to go in for the kill, um, and I think they need to play with that mindset. They have they have yet to to fall into Oklahoma City's trap of talking trash, getting caught up in the game, and they've been really focused. and I think as long as they keep that focus, they're gonna they're gonna win Game Five and they're gonna close out the Thunder four one. So I've got the Blazers winning. I think at times it could be a little bit choppy. Um, oh, our emotions will be fucked with. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think the key for Portland is to keep your emotions even keel. Like you're going to be excited. I'm sure it's a play. You know, a great locker room right now. A great plane ride back to Portland. You know, safe travels up to Rip City for both teams. Um, but in the end, we have Damian Lillard. They do not. That has been the story post All Star break. We have a top five guy in the league. You guys just simply don't. I've got the Blazers winning. Um, Sage, I'm so thankful I got to watch game two with you and game four. You see me at moments where oh I know. Oh my God, it's so hilarious. I don't allow many people to see me like this. That's why I don't go to watch parties. That's yeah. why I watch games at home. Um, I mean, that, that was a nervous wreck. Like, It was one of the most stressful, also fun, but stressful games, like nerve-wracking games, biting my fingernail type of games that that I can remember. I mean, I'm a Blazer fan. Like, I have been through this shit. No lead is safe if you're a Blazer fan. Like, we were up 19 in the third. I'm like, shit, like, just, just keep going, keep going. Like, they'll score five points in a row and just like, oh my god, like, we can't lose this. Like, Paul George hit that three to close out the third and I was like, fuck, here we go again. But thankfully... We got the dub, and we're here to record about it, but my god. Uh,
1: Your emotions that were fucked. fucked yeah, me, bro. I mean,
0: I think all of Rip City, it was pretty emotionally spent after that one, but I'm just excited that I'm going to be there with you, Olga, my two rider dies, and 20,000 other Blazer maniacs. Like, I, I'm stoked. I really hope the guys come out and put on a show. I hope the Blazers put on a show for us on Tuesday.
1: Like, on some real shit. Like, I haven't seen emotion. You know, I'm... Uh, I'm a pretty even killed guy. The emotion and the amount of you caring about this team is pretty pretty impressive. And, like, it's it's crazy for you to come out and talk calmly an hour after the, uh, after the game when, like, I, I... Yo, you were not calm. You were pure emotions and pure caring about this team. Like, on some real shit, I thought you cared more about, like, this one game than I've ever showed emotion in my entire life for one thing. Like it's some crazy shit to see you that like passionate and you know he can't, he legitimately cares about this team and this this franchise and the history of it and it's pretty awesome to see man. Um, fuck with us on iTunes, give us that nice five star rating, leave us a good positive comment. We're yeah, here.
0: if you're enjoying these podcasts after each game, like, it's it's 1045. My man's going to edit this tonight, and we're going to have it up. Like, just leave us a comment, like, hey, I enjoy, I enjoy yeah. the podcast. Like, that means the world to us. You know, I I, I do the podcast to spend an hour with, with, with my best bud, but I, we also do it for, for the fans. Like, we know you guys want to talk Blazers. Talking Blazers brings us all together, mm. regardless of our backgrounds. We are here for this team. And so, you know, if if you enjoy this podcast, just just leave us a comment, man.
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, so five star rating is on iTunes. Comment on iTunes or whatever podcast carrier you uh, listen to. Honestly, I read them. I see them. I see all the, the critiques and I hope I hope the editing is better from when you last left your comment. I actually read them. it's meaningful that people are listening this deep like it's an hour after probably one of the biggest game fours we've had in a while and if you're listening to to this it's thank you like legitimately i've worked 10 years in this this field and it's like this is the first time on some real shit that people go out to me and tell me like they enjoy my shit even when i was like doing crazy shit with bigger radio stations they never physically told me good job but you guys are and the community fucking rules, so if you got the time, please, five-star us, leave a nice comment. We're on every podcast app, so, and we're out of here. We will be back probably the day after Game 5, because Cheer Boy run, runs in some public transit, and it's a long ride back, but we will be here. We'll be here to talk about the game.
0: Let's go, Blazers. Let's get it done. Rip City. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night everybody. Let's go.